the Daily Tap is live for Wednesday. We will talk about Jim Leonard not coming back to Wisconsin. What that means for the Badgers, what that means for the Badgers, what that might mean for Leonard himself. We'll get into that. That will be most of today's show. Uh, we're also going to give out some grades for the Brewers winter meeting stuff so far. Uh, we'll talk Wong. We'll talk Winker. We'll talk Jace Peterson not coming back. Um, those will be the ones for now, as there haven't been that many moves. We'll also touch on maybe what the Cubs have done. Uh, they made a couple deals yesterday. That's really the only division rival that has made significant moves. I think the Pirates made some moves a couple weeks ago, but that'll be there. And then lastly, we'll talk about if Baker Mayfield going to the Rams affects the Packer game at all. Uh, we'll have to see there. Um, I will get into that a little bit at the end of today's show, and then that'll be today's show. Um, we'll wrap it up. Uh, I would, don't have any Chuck's Corners or Tablets for you. I should probably work on some. Uh, like I said, we don't always have to be so sports heavy, uh, especially as we're kind of winding down, hitting, I wouldn't necessarily say a dog days of summer, if you, or dog days of winter, if you will. I think you kind of get into that once the NFL playoffs start, especially if your team's not in there. Shout out maybe to the Packers, but we will get there. Also too, um, let me know on this. Uh, I know there are a lot of you that listen regularly. I'm kind of toying with the idea of bumping a day out. So I know it's the daily tap. So it's like, do I need to change the name? But I'll worry about that later. But basically, one day a week where we say, all right, we're not doing the pot. I would probably always do Monday and Friday. Um, and then obviously with Mitch. Um, so the question would be is like, should we take one day to sort of rest? Do you feel like you listen every day? Do you feel like things get repetitive and you're like, yeah, maybe, you know, taking a day off actually wouldn't be the worst idea. Um, let me know what you think. Um, I would love for a bunch of opinions. Um, so if you do want to reach out, hit me on social, tapping the keg on Twitter, uh, tapping the keg sports on Instagram. Uh, you can also do it on TikTok if that's your thing. Uh, but yeah, the DMs are wide open uh, for that opinion. Um, also, and also follow along. Uh, so make sure that you're following us. Uh, and subscribe, rate, review, do all that. Apple, Spotify, you know the deal. I've told you many times. All right, let's talk about Jim Leonard and not coming back to Wisconsin. Jim Leonard decided during the Badger game, conveniently, Badger basketball game that is, uh, that he was not going to be the coach of Wisconsin any longer. Uh, that Jim Leonard will be the defensive coordinator for the bowl game, and then Jim Leonard is out. And Jim Leonard will be off to explore other things. You know what those other things could mean? It could mean Jim Leonard chilling at home, but it probably more likely means that Jim Leonard is going to get another job, whether that is with Green Bay or whether that's with you know SEC or Pac-12 school. Jim Leonard leaving Wisconsin is obviously a blow, but I wonder if it was an expected blow. And here is my thought process behind this in a, in a variety of ways. Number one, you had all the players that were fighting for Jim Leonard whether it was Nick Herbig, whether it was Braylon Allen, uh, it seemed to be that a lot of people liked Jim Leonard and wanted Jim Leonard to keep his job. Now, I will say you do the Fickle over Leonard deal 100 times over 100. Luke Fickle is one of the best coaches. I shouldn't say young. I was almost going to say young. Leonard certainly is one of the best young young like coordinators, uh, but Fickle is one of the best coaches of the last five to 10 years. He's been great. He comes from a tree that's similarly to Mike Vrabel and Mike Vrabel's had a ton of success in the NFL. And I think Fickle's been tremendous for Cincinnati. And now he gets a chance to do it at the big boy level, but I have no doubt in my mind that Fickle can't do it. 
And the fact that he chose Wisconsin is a major accomplishment for the program and something that they can look forward and look ahead versus, you know, staying with what's worked. And you've used Leonard and you use Paul Christ. And so it's a, it's a start to just start fresh altogether. And I think Leonard didn't want to necessarily be a part of it. I think, you know, with when Urban Meyer came to Ohio State with Luke Fickle uh, and Luke Fickle decided to stay on, and I think some people thought Jim Leonard would be the same. Urban Meyer was already very much established, right? Urban Meyer had won national championships with Florida. And Luke Fickle looked at that as an opportunity to maybe have a national championship ring and have that opportunity with Ohio State, which he did, I believe, before going to Cincinnati. I have to fact check that, but I'm pretty sure Fickle was the defensive coordinator for the 2014 team. And I think if Fickle came in with a little more accolades and came in with that national championship pedigree, maybe you do have Leonard say. Maybe Leonard is like, all right, let's continue to build my legacy here at Wisconsin. But I do think there is something to wanting to see what's out there and wanting to start fresh just all together. I don't think Fickle pushed him out the door, um, but I also maybe, I don't know, maybe he didn't keep, maybe he didn't try that hard. I know he said, you know, we, you know, Jim Leonard has a spot in this program, things like that, but who knows what the relationship is, if there's any at all, right? I mean, it's kind of hard to just basically be, you know, part of a new system. I would not be surprised if uh, Jim Leonard reached out to his buddy, Mike Patton. Mike Patton is somebody that Jim Leonard has seen as a mentor, um, that has seen as as a guy that he's molded some of his defense around, which is very funny for our next part of this 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 conversation. Uh, but I wouldn't be surprised if Pat, he said to Patton, like, hey, tell me about your experience with working with Coach LaFleur and, you know, being the, the other guy. Because remember, Matt LaFleur was brought on and Mike Patton, they were like, you got to keep Mike Patton. And the Packers organization, Murphy, uh, Gutekus, and others were like, you have to keep Mike Patton. Are you okay with that? And while LaFleur did, it never seemed like they were on the same page. And then Patton was let go uh, shortly thereafter. And then you have Joe Barry. And then you have Joe Barry. And here we are, uh, right? So I do wonder if Leonard, you know, reached out and was like, hey, tell me about your experience. What was it like? I'm sure there are other people that Leonard could have consulted on this to say, hey, what what is, you know, the cons, what's the pros and cons, right? What what is going to what's going to kind of guide me here? And I, I have to think that there was a general concern that things are going to be done differently and that Leonard might not like it. And he knew that he didn't have that position of power and that he can't really go to Coach Fickle and be like, we haven't done this. You know, these guys have no idea what this is or these guys are not familiar with this or this is out of their routine. And having that sort of extra voice there, I think would have been fine. I think it would have added to the dynamics, but I also, I also wonder if that would have kind of shook things up a little bit too much and that it would have sort of been this old school versus new school sort of thing. And maybe it's better for the Badgers if everything is fresh and everything is new. It might lead to more cracked eggs. It might lead to more guys in the transfer portal. But I, I do think that there is something to, you know, just breaking free and starting anew. And 
it seems like that's what Leonard's going to do. It seems like that's what the Badgers are going to do. There's a lot of pressure, I think, on Mike Tressel, uh, who will probably be the defensive coordinator for the Badgers unless uh, Fickle decides to go outside of the guys that he's bringing in from Cincinnati. Tressel did coach the defense at Cincinnati, and Tressel obviously has the background with his father, Jim. So the question to me is, like, is that going to be the guy, or will, will they look elsewhere? And if they don't look elsewhere, I, I do think, unfortunately, because of his last name, there is some nepotism pressure, right? We worried, did he get this job because of who his daddy is? And is he really that good of a coach? Or is it just because of his last name? So yes, I think there will be a lot there for Badger fans to take in next year. Um, it will be a growing, there will be growing pains, right? It will not be, will not be easy. Um, there will be comparisons to Leonard's defense versus what the Badgers have. I think the Badgers defensively should be pretty solid. I mean, I do believe you'll lose Torchio and you'll lose Keanu Benton, but other than that, like you should have a pretty solid defense that's ready to roll next year. And you know, I, I do think Fickle needs to find guys in the transfer portal at the secondary position, at the cornerback position, whether that is Sauce Gardner. You know, I'm not whether that is Sauce Gardner, but it's like finding those Sauce Gardner, Kobe Bryant types. Uh, who are great defenders for the Bearcats, who are now NFL, you know, legitimate, you know, all-rookie, first-team all-rookies uh, for the Jets and the Seahawks, respectively. But that is, you know, kind of what you need to find if you're fickle. I think that is priority number one for him. And we could do a whole thing on what the Badgers should look for and the transfer portal, which maybe we should. I think that would be an excellent topic uh, down the stretch here as the transfer portal is just starting to cook. And I don't know if team, people are even going to have teams, right? Like, I don't know if, you know, who's going to opt out of game bowl games. Like, Oklahoma State, I mean, they keep losing guys. Like, Spencer Sanders is gone. Mason Cox is gone. Uh, so, they, Oklahoma State's kind of at a point where they – they have a, an interesting interesting little little thing here, and I, I hope that we still have a bowl game. I hope that it still gets played, but yeah, I, the transfer portal stuff's ridiculous. I, I The bowls are a fun time. I love the bowl games, but there are going to be so many of them that just, oh, this player opted out, this player is in the transfer portal, and I understand that you know opting out and not getting hurt in a meaningless game, I fully understand that i i do i think that part is okay right like if you don't want to play in a the guaranteed rate bowl because you're going to the nfl god bless you like right like i have no problem with that but i do think from a portal perspective college football needs to look at changing that to after the national championship game yes there'll be tampering yes there'll be tinkering yes people will be held out of bowl games but I do think that that, you know, at least gives a little more spirit to the bowl game. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, a, it's a really, really tough thing. And I also do think the last part about this, and I know this is not about Jim Leonard, and we'll get back to, you know, Leonard on the other side of this. But this is the reason why this is going to be a crazy transfer portal year. Bud Elliott, who I love, uh, he does work for CBS Sports, uh, 24-7 Sports. Um, he's on the cover for your podcast. I would really recommend following him if you're a college football fan. But Bud Elliott basically explained the reason why the transfer portal is crazy this year is because all these kids are COVID kids. All these kids went to school during COVID. So they didn't have time to really take recruiting visits. They didn't have time to you know feel around. It's also, it's a combination of that Plus, they were recruited to their schools without the NIL money. 
So, you know, so they, they have not gotten to take advantage of anything NIL related. So because of that, you combine those two and it leads to this just absolutely fucking crazy portal where it seems like everybody's available. It seems like you could get a quarterback, you know, if you want JT Daniels, he's there. If you want DJ Uyalele, he's there. If you want Caden Slovis, who's on the portal yet again, like he's there. And I, and I do think with these quarterbacks, like real, like again, I'm not trying to, to, you know, basically take this into another direction, but it's like these quarterbacks need to understand, like it's not, grass not always greener, man. Like just because you have one bad year with your team doesn't mean like you'll go to the next team and you'll be better. Like I think these quarterbacks kind of need a reality check about who they actually are. So moving back, <laughs> that completely took us off track. Uh, but I, I, one thing to mention here about the Badger schedule, they do start the season at home against Buffalo. Not necessarily an easy game. And then they go to Washington uh, in the Palouse, September 9th, uh, Washington State, that is. Uh, so that will not necessarily be easy. And then the first Big Ten game at Purdue. Uh, we'll see if Purdue still has their head coach, uh, Georgia Southern, is sandwiched in between that. But that's not... Not necessarily an easy start. Um, then you then you do have Rutgers and Iowa at home before heading out to Illinois before Ohio State at home, uh, which will be be a big one. Uh, Halloween weekend, Ohio State coming to Camp Randall, Fickle coaching against his alma mater. I would imagine that will be a primetime event. Staying with Leonard, but moving on to another topic about what's next for Jim Leonard. Uh, Jim Leonard... You know, I will have options, right? Jim Leonard's not going to be uh, one of those guys who's gone and we don't hear from him. I think Leonard is a young guy. He still wants to coach. I doubt that he will take a year off to be with his family. Um, I, I don't think that's something Jim Leonard will do. Maybe will. I mean, he is a family guy. He he. The whole reason he didn't want to go to the Packers in 2020 was because he wanted to spend more time with his. He, you know, he didn't want to leave Madison. Didn't want to uproot his family. And maybe after talking with his wife, he he basically is like, all right, you know, this is the time to do it. Um, whether it's leaving the state, whether that's leaving the, the you know Midwest, if that's something we want to do, like let's explore it. You know, Dave Aranda was obviously a Midwest or a West guy. Uh, he was Utah. Uh, before he was in Wisconsin, but Dave Aranda, you know, went went to the South and ended up being LSU's defensive coordinator before then getting the head job at Baylor, and he's really thrived there. And I wonder if Leonard looks at Aranda and sees that path for himself, and whether that's working at an SEC school who needs a defensive coordinator or going, you know, to the NFL. And I think those are going to be the options. Um, I think you could also lump the Pac-12 in there. I could see a USC uh, looking at Leonard and and trying to turn around that defense. Um, I think there would be a lot of work to do. I don't know if that's exactly what Leonard would want, right? Um, that's a lot of pressure. Um, there, USC needs to portal basically their entire defense. Lincoln Riley portaled their entire offense. Now he needs to portal their entire defense this year because USC has a long way to go. I mean, that was embarrassing to Utah. If USC had hung in that game, I think there was a legitimate case you could have made for USC to be the fourth playoff team. But because they didn't hang strong and they, they, they wore down and looked worse than the Packers did against the Philadelphia Eagles, um, it was the death knell for the Trojans. Now, I do wonder, will that be enough to bump out Alex Grinch? 
Alex Grinch, I don't know how that guy keeps getting jobs. Um, to me, he's not a good defensive coordinator. And will that be a spot for Leonard? I could see, you know, one of the SEC schools looking after him. I don't know which coordinator spots are available at this point. Um, it hasn't really been known. Um, I could see Tennessee opening up, right? I mean, you, Tennessee's defense was not solid this year. Could Tennessee, you know, be an option for Leonard, which might be a little bit better than maybe a Old Miss, for example. I don't know if Old Miss will have their job open or Florida, where it's like deep south. Like Tennessee is still south, right? But it's a little closer to the Midwest. It's not that far away from Wisconsin. You know, maybe that's, you know, sort of the avenue that Leonard will go. But I, I do think it's AC, it's SEC, it's big, or it's Pac-12. And if it's not those, it's the NFL. Now, I know what fans are, Packer fans are saying. It's like, well, he's a Badger, like he's from Wisconsin. This isn't going to work, things like that. I understand that reason. Like, I understand the reasoning of an inexperienced defensive coordinator. I, I fully get that. But I, I do want to point out that Sean McVay did want Jim Leonard, too. Like, Sean McVay reached out about Jim Leonard. So, I know Sean McVay's team has not been that good. We're going to talk a little bit about Baker Mayfield here in a second. But, you know, I, I don't exactly worry too much about this. Like, I don't think this is a concern that Leonard's not done it. You know, he's a, he's one of, he was a really good defender in the NFL. He, know, he knows NFL schemes. He can figure out NFL schemes. They're closer to college. That's why rookie receivers are taking off the way they are. It used to be that rookie receivers needed a year or two to really get their sea legs. That's no longer a thing. These guys are ready to go because a lot of these schemes are, you know, closer to college than they are, you know, just this completely brand new thing. So I think Leonard will be just fine. It was the guy that Matt LaFleur wanted as his defensive coordinator. That was his number one choice. And then obviously they settled for Joe Barry. And that to me is one of those things where LaFleur, you know, can basically write a wrong, right? LaFleur can say, all right, this guy's available. You know, I would, I don't, I think it would be pseudo tampering, but I do wonder if someone reached out and was like, are you going to be interested in this job if it do, does become available? And part of maybe Leonard's motivation to not stay at Wisconsin is, his agent saying, yeah, the, the Packer job is going to open back up and you're going to have that ability. I do think it's funny for those clamoring for Leonard that he's a Mike Patton disciple, right? He did a lot of things under Patton. And Patton is, again, as mentioned earlier, like a mentor to him. So will, so how, like, I just want people to understand that it could be similar to what Mike Patton did. And there could be some Mike Patton stuff in there. Now, the other side of that argument is he also is a Rex Ryan guy. So there's going to be concepts and schemes from Rex Ryan. And Rex Ryan, I'm sure, will help him out. I'm sure Rex Ryan will work with him on what what works defensively and what does not if he does get an NFL job. But I do think for Leonard with the NFL, I think it's Packers or bust. I don't think that he will look for another NFL job. I'd be surprised. I mean, unless there are relationships that I don't know about um, where he, you know, would make sense. I, you know, Raheem Morris, Rams are not good, but I think Raheem Morris has done a great job with 
that defense. I don't think that defense has come under question. I think the Rams in general, let's say entire, we bring everybody back and then next year we see this is kind of a year from hell for them. So it's not necessarily one where you're like, oh yeah, we're going to completely full scale changes. You know, maybe some offensive work, obviously as the struggles have happened. Uh, but I, I really think it's more about team building and on less need than it is on, on the coaching staff there in Los Angeles. And so obviously if you continue with the they Shanahan, you know, tree, if you will. I mean, Kyle Shanahan, um, you know, D'Amico Ryans is one of the best defensive coordinators out there. He could get an NFL job or another job. He could get a head coaching job. So maybe that's a place where Leonard might be looked at. Uh, Miami, I think they're pretty set with their defensive coordinator. I don't think there is any complaints or concerns. Um, that would also be another one where you'd, you'd wonder. Uh, Minnesota at Donatel, old. So, yeah. Minnesota might be one, but would Leonard would Leonard do that? I don't know. Um, Pettin is there. That that is, I guess, a a concern, right? If they were to part with Ed Donatel, and you have Leonard, you have you already sorry, you have Pettin, you have Mike Smith, who has worked under Pettin before, and then you have Jim Leonard. And would they would that happen, right? Would would, would Leonard feel comfortable, you know, being the boss of his head coach? I don't know. Maybe maybe that would be uncomfortable, but I do think Minnesota is a live team to kind of keep your eye on. I, I again, Ed Dontel has done nothing to necessarily lose his job. I don't think the Vikings defense is very good, but that is a that lurks right. That's there. That could be could be an issue, and that would I think be worst case scenario for most Badger fans, right? There are a few Badger fans who are Bears fans as well. Um, so I think Leonard going to the Packers would be like ultimate worst thing for them. But for the major contingent, whereas Badger Packers, for Leonard to not only leave the Badgers, but then go to the Vikings would be bleach uh, drinking inducing. Uh, so we'll have to see what happens. It will be a major topic, obviously, for the Packer fans and Joe Barry's, you know, what the eye on Joe Barry the rest of the way. And I know that a lot of people were like, hey, yeah, you can't, you shouldn't just fire Joe Barry because basically it's, you know, it's the end of the year. It's probably not going to be a playoff year. There's no need to make significant changes. I did think it was interesting that Bill Belichick, who's one of the best coaches of all time, when they asked about, you know, making changes to his offensive coordinator, he's like, it's too late to make changes that drastic. So it makes me think that like there is an inflection point where you can get rid of your DC or OC and it's probably the middle of the year. And if you don't do that, you're kind of stuck with it the rest of the way. And that's the bed you chose to sleep in. Now that's been something Matt LaFleur has done in the last two years. Um, but we'll talk about that on another another podcast that, you know, he needs to be maybe a little more decisive and a little more quicker with that. But yes, we'll have to see what happens with Leonard. I'm fascinated to watch that all unfold. Moving on to the Milwaukee Brewers. The Milwaukee Brewers have not done much uh, for the winter meetings. I don't think frustration has set in for fans yet. Um, you know, they've done as much as the St. Louis Cardinals have done, which is not nothing, which I think is okay, uh, honestly. I, I don't think it's a big deal. I don't haven't really seen a lot of deals where I'm like, wow, I wish the Brewers would have got him. I mean, Andrew Haney might have been one, right? Uh, where he got like three, two years, $24 million from the Texas Rangers. I thought that was a solid deal. Um, but the Brewers are pretty loaded when it comes to their rotation at this point. Um, not only do they have their starting five, 
but they also have you know a couple guys ready and waiting, such as a Jansen Junk, who has big league experience and can help them out. I mean, I think they mitigated with that Hunter Renfro trade, which I know was unpopular for a lot of people. Like they basically solved their Jason Alexander problem, and they made sure that guys like Jason Alexander were not pitching for the Brewers if they had injuries. And I, I still would like to see a little more personally, but. That was the only one that I looked at, and I was like, wow, uh, there could have been a spot for him. Like Cody Bellinger going to the Cubs, I, you know, whatever, right? Uh, I would, the, the Brewers have, you know, young outfielders. They have Jesse Winker, who I don't know will play much outfield. I still think they could use another outfielder um, in that mix just as a competition. Like, what if, you know, Esther Ruiz, Freelich, and Mitchell all suck? in spring training camp and you have to send them down and they don't, they don't look the part. They don't look like they're ready to go. Um, you know, having that extra, extra outfielder wouldn't be the worst idea, but maybe that's something that comes, you know, a little later in the, in the off season. Um, then there also is the Josh Bell thing. Josh Bell signs with the Cleveland guardians for a two year, $33 million deal. Um, basically I would say he's a little more expensive than Jesse Winker. Uh, but I guess with Josh Bell, there must be something the Brewers don't like it, right? There must be something with him that the Brewers are are not a fan of because they didn't make a deal for Josh Bell. They didn't seem like they were involved in the Josh Bell sweepstakes. I think the only prevailing thought I have is what's the difference between Josh Bell and Riley Tellez? I think Josh Bell is a little more of a contact hitter, but really is there is there much drop-off? Are they too similar of baseball players where – there's not enough diversity in the lineup and that if you have a similar guy, you know, and basically teams can prepare for that, is that going to affect, you know, how, how you're pitched to? And maybe that's it. And I, I mean, Josh Bell has had a really interesting career because there have been good moments for him. There have been bad moments for him. And I, but I did, you know, to kind of argue that point, like to, you know, be, you know, a little bit contrarian, it's like, well, Josh Naylor is very similar to Josh Bell and plays a similar game. And now other side of the plate, right? Naylor's righty. No, actually, is Naylor lefty? Um, but regardless, like they're very, they're similar players. And so the Guardians had no problem with it, but the Brewers decided to save their money on that. And I, I could see the criticism there, but I also could see the other side of it where they feel comfortable with Rowdy and they already have a, a DH with Winker. So the decision to go with Winker instead of Bell will be one that I think you know we'll talk about. But Winker does give you that outfield support. He's been terrible defensively. And we'll get in, let's just do the grades now. Um, we're going to grade out you know some of the things that we've seen thus far for the Brewers. Um, good The people that are departing, but also the people arriving. So we start with Winker. I, I'm kind of a B on it. Um, I think that Jesse Winker, you know, was really good with the Reds, had some really good numbers against right-handers for his career. It fell off last year. Um, I, I do think that Jesse Winker can, you know, be back to that level. Um, he gets a short porch out in right field. Um, he kind of gets that ability to play in a ballpark that he's been comfortable in. He has great numbers. He has the second highest OPS in Miller or American Family, now formerly Miller Park. Uh, then I, I think Aaron Otto or Goldschmidt has the top and then Goldschmidt has the third. That's why they're so hard to deal with because they kill the Brewers every time. Now we've seen this backfire with the crew in the past when they brought in Jeff Supon, who always killed Milwaukee, was really good at Miller Park at that time. And then he was awful for the Milwaukee Brewers and the famous uh, verbal meme, soup pitch, great. 
um, was was Earth. So yes, that could be the same with Jesse Winker, but I do think that's a guy that is an upgrade from Andrew McCutcheon. Um, he just is, right? He has a little more offense. He's a little more spark um, to his bat, and it's not it's not a guy who's at the twilight of career. He's, in fact, in his prime, and so I think that needs to be at least acknowledged. I realize you lost the guy in your prime like Hunter Renfro, but I think there is, there's a reason why that Hunter Renfro is on his fifth team in five years. There's just something that doesn't fit. Um, there are some rumors going around that he really wasn't that adaptive to changing anything, that the Brewers hitting coach and their analytics team would tell Hunter like, hey, try this, try that. He kind of just shrugged him off. And so maybe that's sort of the reason why he's been on his fifth team. Uh, but yeah, I, I like the Winker deal. I, I can understand if someone were like, hey, I'd rather have Josh Bell. I get that. Um, so, but I, I, I think Winker's fine. As for dealing Colton Wong, that to me is a you know, B plus, A, A minus, because I think that's exactly what Milwaukee should have done. Uh, Cole Wong, $10 million deal was fine. The contract was fine, right? To, to get his opt-in was great. I think it was smart by the Brewers to do it because they could use it as leverage for other teams and say, hey, we have this guy who's making $10 million. You're not going to get anything better, you know, in the open market. Uh, the second base market was not that good is not that good. Um, it's not that talented. So you could get a guy like Wong for one year and see see if that helps your team. And sure enough, the Mariners were interested in. It. Now what this does for the Brewers is it frees up second base for Luis Urias. And Luis Urias original position was second base. What is that shortstop actually? But it was you know second base is more Urias's fit. I think it will work better for Urias. I don't think he is a third baseman by trade. Um, and I don't think he would develop into one. I think he's a little too short for that position. And so to get him at second base, I think is huge. Uh, having him battle it out with Bryce Trang, I think Bryce Trang is going to get a shot, just like some of the other young guys. As Terry Ruiz, by the way, also a second baseman. He's played the little second base as well. I think you want his speed out in the outfield. But the fact that Ruiz does play does play second base is worth mentioning, you know, in that competition. So I think there will be a true, true competition. I don't see trying not making the team. Um, it, it, yeah, it's going to be a youth movement, but it's also, I think, going to be a mesh of the youth movement with, you know, some newer players, which I think as we go on in this season and we'll see what happens, you know, this, this off season to see if anything changes, I do think, oh, Aaron Judge staying with the Yankees, uh, by the way, just breaking now. I, I did see like the, uh, the breaking news on my phone. I was like, oh, did the Brewers make something because the score app, which I downloaded and I don't really use for anything besides uh, news notifications. It does a great job with that. Um, the way I have it set up, I get all the news notifications that matter. Uh, but yeah, Judge staying with the Yankees, nine years, 360. So uh, Judge will not be in the National League. Uh, hopefully those juice balls stay. That was a wild story, um, which is, I don't have time to tell and I don't want to go on a, a tangent, but uh, I, I did tweet it out, Tabby the Keg, not Tabby the Sports, uh, the other day, uh, yesterday, where I was just kind of talking through, you know, what, what this story meant and why I think it's like a major scandal. And we'll see if it's covered. But back to back to the second base position. Yeah, I think it's going to be a competition. I think all roads lead to Urias, Terang, and and Ruiz, and we'll see who comes out ahead in that one. Also, Jace Peterson leaving. That to me is an A. Um, I I know people like Jace Peterson, but 
I would not give Jace Peterson two years, um, an option, 33, three years old. Um, I think it was just time, right? I think that Jace Peterson was a nice utility player, but I think there are a hundred Jace Petersons out there. I think Jace Petersons are, are few, not few and far between, they're plentiful. And you can find other guys who are solid contact hitters off your bench. I think that becomes a priority though for the Brewers. Like I, I think if you don't replace Jace Peterson in some fashion, um, that's a miss. So I, that grade will will change, right? I think this grade is on a, is all on sliding scales, right? If you know Jace Peter, if you don't replace Jace Peterson, I think that's a problem, and I think that'll be something we talk about in April. If Jesse Winker is a, an asshole about a lot of things, then yeah, maybe that'll change. Jesse Winker, you know, as I was kind of alluding, maybe there was a clubhouse thing with Renfro. It seems like Winker is not the best dude, and so that's a little bit interesting that he's becoming a Brewer because the Brewers have been much more about the vibes, man, and they've been a, a more you know cohesive knit you know really good clubhouse, and that's been part of the the fabric of Milwaukee for the last five or six years. So if Winker disrupts that, I'm not gonna not gonna really feel great about it. And you know, Jace Peterson was another one of those dudes that had that clubhouse mentality. And so the A's get that instead. Um, the A's are not, I think, looking to contend this year, but I think they were probably telling Peterson too, like, you're gonna have opportunities to start a bunch. Um, we we have positions open and so maybe that was alluring to Jace and therefore decided to go to Oakland uh, versus staying in Milwaukee. I'm not exactly sure if the Brewer, what the Brewers offered him, if they offered him anything, uh, but uh, Jace Peterson leaving, I'm perfectly fine with. Um, that does not necessarily affect me. I was not a huge Jace Peterson guy. I think I tweeted out, but like the meathead in me never expected Jace Peterson to come up big, uh, seven through nine. It's the seventh inning through the ninth inning. I just, I never saw it coming. Um, I, and maybe it was just, that I'm projecting that, but it's kind of the uh, Brooke Lopez three pointers with five minutes left in the game. I never, never feel good about those, and this, a similar feeling with Jace Peterson. All right, uh, we have Baker Mayfield real quick going to Los Angeles. Uh, before I was like, all right, the show's over. It's like I forgot that we were going to talk about Baker Mayfield quick. Uh, so quickly on Baker Mayfield. So Baker Mayfield goes to the Rams. Uh, he will. I would, I would assume he's going to be the quarterback for them when the, they play the Packers uh, next Monday night. Uh, Mayfield did face the Packers last season and this Joe Barry defense. I think that you know will help Sean McVay. Um, Sean McVay obviously has familiarity with Barry as well uh, as he was on Barry on McVay's staff uh, before being with the Packers. But I, I do think you'll have Baker as the starting quarterback against the Rams. I doubt he will play in that week. Was this week 14? Yeah, week 14 game against the Raiders as the game is Thursday night. But now you'll have 10 days to work with Baker to try to get Baker right. McVay had interest in Baker. I mean, I think it's crazy how many people love Baker Mayfield, right? Um, McVay was in on Baker. Um, Bill Belichick was in on Baker. Uh, you know, Shanahan, I guess, you know, talked about him being a good player. The Niners did not even submit a waiver claim. I would, I actually would think that was one of those things where they were told, like, "Hey, look, there's no, there's no way you're getting them. Uh, there are other teams that are interested, and so Niners will ride with Brock Purdy." And I'm not surprised. Um, I, I also, I was funny. I was like, "Oh, Baker to San Francisco." It's like, do you know how the waiver claim fucking works, guys? Uh, there are the other teams that need quarterbacks, and the Rams don't want to tank, right? The Rams want to try to, you know, make this look 
better for themselves. So they're trying to win as many games as possible here, you know, down the stretch. And they at least they at least looked like they had a little bit of a pulse last last Sunday. And I think if McVay, you know, kind of trying to bring positive momentum and bit and finish strong, I think you know, adding someone like Baker Mayfield could help. And maybe it's another project for him. And maybe it's something where. You use Baker as sort of the heir apparent to Matt Stafford. Now, do, will Baker want to stay on as a backup? I'm not sure. But also, what other moves does Baker have left? He might not have much there. And so maybe just hanging out in L.A. and being the backup to Stafford for a year or two would be great. And I, I don't know what the trajectory on Stafford will be. I think that's the other interesting thing is what does this do for the career of him? Because he's a lot of kids. His wife was very critical about the concussion stuff. Is, you know, is the timeline for Matt Stafford a little bit shorter than maybe we think? And, and could this be a potential prelude to that with bringing Baker Mayfield in? I'm not saying he, Baker Mayfield QB1 for the Rams next season, but I do wonder if this is like a, hey, do this, we can see about next year, and then you know maybe in 2024, you're the starting quarterback. But who knows? Maybe Baker would have opportunities elsewhere. I don't think so. Again, we, you know, we talked a little bit about the Texans uh, last week or yesterday, excuse me, about how they could bring in Aaron Rodgers because they're not selling tickets and it's not doing well. I do wonder if that's another Baker Mayfield spot, just given you know his roots in Texas and in Oklahoma. If that would be something that would bring in fans, and you obviously will draft a quarterback, likely. Um, I doubt that they will wait for Caleb Williams. I think you'll take C.J. Stroud or you'll take Bryce Young, and maybe Baker Mayfield is you know kind of that guy, that Ryan Fitzpatrick type, right? to sort of bridge the gap. But yeah, it will definitely adds a, an element to the Packers-Rams game, might make it a little more difficult. Uh, I don't think John Wofford is a starting quarterback in the NFL. Seems like a nice guy, Wolford. I think he's a nice guy, but you know, I, I, not a starter. And obviously McVay feels the same way. That's why you're bringing in a guy like Baker Mayfield to see if you can you know, turn the ship a little bit and make it a little bit less of a impactful pick for the Detroit Lions. Because yeah, I mean, right now it looks really, really bad. And I think flags, banners fly forever. It's fine. I think, you know, the Rams get their one title, um, but they're looking more like the Marlins than they do look like a consistent winning winning franchise. And you have a lot of guys who there's uncertainty about. You know, McVay, he could retire. Uh, you have... Aaron Donald, who's basically said, once McVay's gone, I'm gone. You have Stafford, who, who knows, right? Cooper Cup might be the only one that you feel good about, you know, going forward. All right, that does it for today's show. We'll be back tomorrow. Um, another Daily Tap. We'll talk Bucks kings um, Maybe we'll try to find some other Packer topics. Maybe we'll have some fun with the tap list. Our Chuck's Corner will be the last Daily Tap of the week because we will have the keg on Friday, Mitch and I back in the saddle. Another Friday show for us. Just how the schedule has worked out. Um, so we'll get you guys another Friday to have in the keg. So hope you guys enjoy that. All right. Take care. Have a good one. Bye.